Hey y'all, this is Unbound Love. Meandering conversation of two pastors. I am Gail. I am Kelly. And today we are going to talk about boundaries. Ugh. One of those big things that, I think we even talked about it earlier, that um, it's one of those things that we tell other people to set boundaries, to create spaces that other people can't harm or, or uh, invade when they shouldn't, and yet... It is such a hard thing to do in your own life. And so, how do you set boundaries, Miss Kelly? <laughs> um, I'm learning. <laughs> One of the wonderful things about pastoral life is when you have a really good therapist. Mm. <laughs> I think anyone should have a good therapist. Absolutely. And my, my sweet, sweet therapist has been with me a while, and I have just started listening to her <laughs> about the boundary <laughs> issue. So she's championing me, but she's kind of going about time. And um, I have, as we move into different spaces in our life, or as new parts of our life open up, sometimes we have to learn to set boundaries and learn how to close some doors, which is very difficult because as pastors, we are drawn to help everyone, love everyone, be there for everyone. But that doesn't work. In fact, I think we're taught that in school. It doesn't work. So I'm learning how to set boundaries. So let's figure out how to do that together today, maybe. So I think one of the things that um, that we sometimes, and, and not just pastors, but all of us, um, we want to be helpful. We want to be good listeners and available and for our friends, for people who reach out to us. And there's something that feels very warm and inviting about someone needing you. We all want to feel needed. And in our desire to be needed, um, we can sometimes uh, let those boundaries slip. And um, it's like I think about how, you know, my calendar, um, I live by my calendar, as a lot of us do. Like I have a calendar and I keep it and it's on my phone. I also handwrite a calendar. I have a calendar that hangs in my office. I mean, like there are all of these reminders of where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there and what I'm supposed to be doing. The thing is, is that like a lot of people, um, I will push that because sometimes it feels like when someone needs you that you have to prioritize. Is this something I need? Or does this person need me more? And I think we're not always good judges of that. Um, For me, I have started doing a couple of things for my own mental health and my own mental joy. um, Because I think mental joy is important. Um, One of which is taking a pottery class. And so I block out these times on my calendar that I am in pottery class. And yet, if somebody shows up in my office and I'm getting ready to run out, or someone calls me on my phone and I'm getting ready to run out to my class, how important is my pottery class? Is it more important? Is it less important? And that's a hard choice to make because it feels like I'm choosing myself over someone else. And we come back to that biblical rule of love others as you love yourself. And so... Am I choosing myself other over over others? It, it, that's difficult. 
Um, so I think that that's, you know, kind of the crux of the issue. Um, and I think that that's not just true for pastors, but it's true for all of us. When do we say, I need to choose me and not you? I love that term, mental joy. I'm going to hold on to that. Mm. I think that is very important. Um, I think for us as human beings, especially those who choose this Christian walk, because that's the one I'm more familiar with, we are asked to keep a Sabbath. We are asked to keep space set apart just for our own mental joy, our Mm -hmm. own rest, our own recovery. Like the flight attendant in the face mask, you breathe first and then you pass it to your children. As pastors, we forget that if we're not breathing, if we're not in a good space, we really can't help anyone. And so that is part of setting boundaries. We're actually helping everyone else if we can set boundaries around our personal time and space and make sure we set aside time for ourselves, time for our family and friends, because that's vital or we're not healthy enough to help others. One of the things that we talk about all the time is we tell people to set boundaries, which was what we're doing today, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we constantly say, if someone is hurting you, you need to set a boundary. If someone is invading your time, set a boundary, and then we don't do it. And if we're not practicing what we're preaching, then we're not being very good preachers, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of that is deciding, there's a whole part about pruning the vine, deciding when people come into your life, what type and space they're going to, what time and space they're going to have. And if they really belong in that circle of people or not. And that sounds so hard because we're called, we feel like to minister to the whole world, but there is no way one person can do that. So is that person that's coming into your life, someone that you can actively minister to work with, spend time with that won't deplete your energy or not? And that's a difficult thing to figure out. I, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, and I think that even outside of being a pastor, I mean, I think that we just have friends in our lives. We have people in our lives. And, and um, recently I was talking to someone who, who regularly practices a Sabbath, as do you and I. And, um, and they were commenting that on their Sabbath, um, there are particular people who call or text or email, or reach out, or try to get in touch more often on their widely published Sabbath than any other day of the week. And there was, you know, some discussion that followed on why is that? Like, why would people do that? And I think that it's it's a bit of, of insecurity. Um, am I important enough that you will take the time on your designated day off, on your designated time away to respond to me, to love me, to care for me. And I think that we all, um, in some ways, put other people to the test to see how much we matter. And in that, um, we are often crossing boundaries that have been set in order to have someone show us how much we matter. And that's our own insecurity. And so I think that part of being willing to set boundaries for your friends, for your family, for your parishioners, for your whomever, um, is recognizing 
our own inadequacies, our own inability to recognize how important we are. And when we don't recognize how important we are, we sometimes let people overrun what we know is a boundary that needs to hold fast. And recognizing and, and discerning when that boundary is something that needs to be pushed. Are you in, are you in dire need? Are you in, in real trouble? Are you um, in a ditch somewhere? I mean, is, are you on the side of the road? Are you in unsafe? All of those are reasons to push every boundary in the world. I just want to talk to you or I just have a question. Maybe not so much. I'm going to come in with my therapist baseball analogy. Are we good with talking about baseball now? You were angry So earlier. I'm angry about baseball. So, I mean, I'm just going to go like, let's just roll down that rabbit hill. You know, you have people who are making millions of dollars who have decided to lock each other out of baseball. And we here we are. Like spring training should have started a couple of weeks ago and it hasn't started yet. And now they've pushed off the start of baseball for weeks. I'm, like, this is a rabbit hole I can get down really, really far, y'all. But I'm telling you, I'm still mad about it. But yes, I'm good with baseball analogies. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure I didn't cross a boundary. <laughs> um, so there's a three-strike rule. Mm-hmm. and um, But here's what it takes. And this is the hardest part for me and I'm, I'm working on. You have to set up a clear boundary with words. Like, you can't just imagine it. You have to tell the person that you are setting the boundary with, this is my boundary. Like, take, for instance, the Sabbath. My Sabbath is Monday. Monday, yes. Monday, many pastors, but my (coughs) Sabbath is Monday. That means that Monday is just for my family and my growth and my rest. That is my boundary. I announce that to whatever church I'm in, to those outside of my core small group that's allowed within that boundary, I announce that. If someone crosses it once, I reset that boundary. I say, this is the boundary. I'm doing this. And I explain why. Someone crosses it twice. I say, is there a reason we're crossing this boundary? Like you just said, if not, I need to ask you not to do this again. I need the space. The third time, it's cut. It's done. They, they no longer belong in that arena where I even respond or answer. And boy, that seems so harsh. But the times I've done it, it has freed me up to be available to large groups of people on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday instead of that one person taking all of my energy and I think we are limited resources, all of us, no matter who you are, no matter what your walk is. That's why we have Saturdays or Sundays or Mondays or whatever day you take off. And so the three strike rule is very important. But first, you have to be very verbally clear about boundaries. And it's the same thing, not only with time, like if with family members, and it's what we tell people, especially as they're coming out with maybe their identity. If you tell somebody, you tell them what you need and you give them that one time to adjust because it's a lot. If they cross a boundary, if they hurt you, you give them a second time to have a discussion about what hurt, what didn't and how to heal. The third time, you kind of have to think, is this a person that I need in my everyday life? Or is this a person relegated to holidays 
Or is this a person that I need space from for a time? But then again, you have to be verbal about it. You have to say, I need to only see you on holidays right now because, or I need to have some space from you because. And boy, is that a hard thing to say. That is so hard because your heart is, is scared and hurting. And sometimes we think they're going to say no. And then what do you do? But it seems like a time and again when I have set a boundary with a person and we've discussed it and we've broken it and discussed it, then it it kind of sets in and people understand if they really truly love you, want to learn from you, want to be in your space. So I want to kind of continue your baseball analogy because, yes, there are three strikes and you're out and yet there are foul tips. And I think sometimes... um, there's a lot of grace that comes in foul tips. And so um, none of us are living in perfection. And so I, I'm going to go back to, to um, your coming out and your identity um, analogy or, or discussion and say that there are people, and if you know me, you, you know me by the name of Gail. That is not my given first name. And the first many, many years of my life, I used my first name because my family, very insistent that I use my first name. And eventually, I'm just like, I wanted to change this when I was starting kindergarten or when I was starting first grade. And I've wanted to change it all along. And finally, I'm just doing it, right? And there were people who came into my life and said, I will never call you anything but. And... My response to them was, that's fine. I will never answer you. If you want me to answer, you will call me by the name that I request. There were other people who still, and this is 30, 40 years later, um, and they still struggle in getting the name right. And there's no malice on their part. It is truly just they struggle and so often and there are people that I see it very infrequently these days but sometimes it is they start with the name and then they catch themselves and then they try to get it right maybe they do maybe they don't or sometimes it's people that I see so infrequently that it is you go by a different name now tell me what that is and there's a lot of grace in that and a lot of of understanding that names are hard. It's hard for me to remember people's names. And it's certainly hard to change names that you've called people for years. And then there's my sister who never calls me anything but by my first name. She never switched. She's not going to switch. This is what she's going to call me. But the grace in that is that she always called me Aunt Gail to her children. So her children know me as Aunt Gail, even though she calls me by a completely different name. And so there's grace in that, in understanding that, you know, sometimes you have this person with this close relationship that, whatever, they're just going to be assholes. And that's just kind of how that is. So I think that understanding the levels of grace in whatever, and I think that also comes from, from setting boundaries. Like, what is the boundary here, and how hard do you need to hold this boundary with this person and how much do you need to continue to offer grace 
when they're trying, when they are foul tipping all the time. Like, how many foul tips do you get in baseball? The answer to that is as many as you need. And I think that in Christianity, that's the same answer. You get as many foul tips as you need. Um, You just keep fouling the ball off. There's grace in that. Come back, take another swing. Because you're trying. You keep trying. You're not missing. You're just not quite hitting it right. And there's a lot of grace in that. I like that. I think that's very true. I think we have a a need to bring people alongside of us when we have big changes. One One of the things that happens in Methodist clergy life, and it actually applies to almost lots of people's lives when you're leaving one thing that was important to you, maybe your job, maybe a team you played on, um, and you're moving to another job or team, um, we have this thing called itineracy. And we were talking earlier about the fact that once we, the bishop has moved us from one church to another, we don't go back. We allow space for that new pastor to absorb that church and all of their needs, and we move on. And that is a very difficult boundary to set. And I've seen it happen with my kids in sports, like when a coach moves on and a new coach comes in. You don't need to call that old coach and be like, this is what's happening. It's not right. That they need to, you need clean breaks because in order to grow and move through life, you need clean breaks when you have new things happening. But that is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think... The coach analogy and the pastor analogy, and even a teacher, like as you move from teacher to teacher through the years, mm-hmm. there's a fine line between saying, oh, I saw that someone passed or you were sick and I'm thinking about you, to stepping in and going, oh, your new pastor, your new coach, your new teacher isn't doing a good job. Let me tell you what they should do and becoming that gossipy kind of thing and invading the space of the new person who is supposed to be the caretaker or the leader. That's a hard boundary. I'm moving right now from one church to another, and it is such a hard boundary to set because in those spaces, in the classroom, on a team, in a church, you are interconnected with their lives. I mean, your lives are melded together every day, and then to have a clean break from that is very hard, but that boundary is vital so that you can do the job you're supposed to do in the next place, and the person coming behind you can do that. It is very difficult to explain that to the ones you left behind sometimes Mm -hmm. and to cut those ties because it does feel broken. It does feel like the person who was leading you is gone. Well, I think part of that too is, is back to the hurting of feelings in in how we feel about it. You know, like, am am I important enough that you're going to continue this relationship with me? And, um, I think especially in the, you know, in a pastor role, in a, a best friend role. I mean, um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been ghosted by a friend. Um, but being ghosted by a friend has a very difficult and and harshness to it. That this is someone that I I did stuff with regularly. Someone that I considered a really good friend, and all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. And you reach out and you're like, what happened? And trying to get some understanding and trying to wrap your arms around it and your head around it. And, you know, I mean, I get maybe you needed some space, maybe whatever, something happened. But but understanding that is an important part. And I think that that's also very important in a pastoral role is that there's it's not just that we're ghosting people. 
it's not that we're just moving on and leaving you in the dust and being like, you know what, not not there for you anymore, you know, fend for yourself. I, I think that, that coming to an understanding of what it means to to be the pastor right now and then to give space for someone else to be the pastor and to be that person who is walking with you and forging that relationship with you. I don't know that that necessarily... Um, and, and I will say that I, I struggle in this Methodist idea of this clean break and and you were mine and I was yours for this narrow um, swath of time and and then boom we're off to something else and and now I belong to someone else and they belong to someone else and and there's so I think of it in, in, in terms of color so so if I if I put this in terms of color when I look at a rainbow, even though I see the rainbow colors, you know, you got the Roy G. Biv happening up there, right? But Roy, I mean, you know, the R, the red, bleeds right into the orange. And there's some overlap between those colors, sometimes to the point that you're like, is that the red or is that the orange? I'm not sure. Is that red or orange? I'm not quite sure. What's what? But then on the other end of that, the orange gives way to yellow. And sometimes you don't know if the yellow is really yellow or is it really orange? I, I don't know if that's orange or yellow. Which is it? I don't know. It's not a harsh line between them. There's a melding that comes between them. As And so when you think of that in, in a pastoral role, and you think of that in a holding hands kind of way. So this past week, the lectionary talked about, you know, like uh, if one person takes is blind and they take the hand of a blind person, they both end up in a ditch. Well, the other side of that is if you have someone whose eyes are open, a pastor, who takes the hand of someone and they're leading them along, at some point in time you have to let go of that hand and let them walk on their own or let someone else take a hold of their hand. But when you're letting go of a hand, you you don't do it so abruptly. Like you're not cutting off your hand and walking away. There's this release that lets it go that that doesn't happen in this abruptness. And sometimes it's that abruptness that is so jarring and so disconcerting that I think is the problem. Which has nothing to do with setting boundaries, but there's my rumination on that. Maybe in a way it does, because if setting boundaries also involves using your words Mm. to explain the boundary before it happens, before you set it, then part of that period as you're leaving a church gives you space to say, okay, I am leaving. Here's what I can do before I leave to make sure you're prepared for the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of leave the door open for the next person. I also, as you were talking about relationships, it's almost the same too if you have left a marriage mm-hmm. or left a relationship, especially if each partner had different kids and maybe you've melded families and they break apart or yeah. if it's just two partners and you leave that relationship in order to actually leave it, you have to vocalize some boundaries, set those boundaries and keep those boundaries because neither of you is going to be prepared for any new relationship, whether it's a friendship or a partnership that comes into your life. If you're still clinging, mm-hmm. if you're still caught in the same, mm-hmm. the same needy spaces. But I think, all of those, like you were saying, the rainbow, I think you have to use words to draw the line. Like, mm-hmm. this is where the line is, and this is why I'm drawing it. Yep. It's not out of hatred or malice. It's <clears> just <throat> out of, for both of us to move forward with our lives. And words are very powerful, 
and hopefully the other person can hear it. Maybe you have to repeat those words several times. That's where the grace comes in. Like, I'm going to make sure I'm saying this clearly. But words are powerful in setting boundaries. And boundaries actually don't just protect you. They protect the other person. Mm -hmm. If we think of the idea of sin as being anger and fear, words and boundaries kind of protect people. They say, you don't have to be afraid. This is what we're doing and this is why. And I am protecting you and me from being in a toxic place and a place where we can't move forward. And so boundaries are very healthy for all involved, although they don't feel good at all. So a couple of things that I want to say. So one, um, for those of us who are introverted, so introverted friends, listen up. Um, That is not always easy for us. We have a lot of conversations in our head. We talk a lot to ourselves. We process internally in our head with uh, with ourselves. And sometimes we even like have that conversation with someone else. They're not aware of it. But we had that conversation. And so it's important. And I'm going to hold up a mirror to Gail and say, it's important to when you finish that conversation to actually articulate your response or your boundary to the other person that you are having this conversation with that they don't know that they're having, but to actually say it out loud or write it down or somehow communicate that to the other party so that they know that boundary. And I know like for me, and I'm going to go back to the Sabbath example, um, my email signature. I take my Sabbath on Monday I will get back to you as soon as I can. And I even have a link to an article that explains why I take a Sabbath. And so I want you to get all of the information that you possibly can to know this is the day that I'm not going to respond to you. And here's why I'm taking it and why it's important. And if you care to listen, you can. But that's on my, that's a part of my email signature every time I send an email. And so it's always there. And, um, so I think that's important to remember that we have to articulate that in some way over and over and over again. So people don't forget the other thing that I want to say, and I think that these are important tips to remember is a, if someone sets a boundary with you, respect it. Um, it's not just a boundary. Boundaries don't just happen one way. Boundaries happen two ways. And so if someone says to you, I'm setting a boundary with you, and so I will use my um, pastor that I work with, um, who takes his Sabbath on a Friday, and I started many years ago um, scheduling messages, because invariably on Friday, I remember all this crap I want to tell him. I remember all of these vitally important things that I don't want to forget, and I want to make sure that that I send that text because it's important for Sunday. I want to make sure that I impart this information because it's important for, for what's coming up, maybe even tomorrow. But I don't want to disturb his Sabbath. And how do I make sure that I'm doing that? So I learned how to schedule messages on my phone so I can schedule a text. And so I'm just like, so on Saturday morning at 9 a.m., when you get 5 billion texts from me, know that I did not actually send them at 9 a.m. I just scheduled them all to come to you at 9 a.m. so that you are bombarded with all of that the day after your Sabbath. Or I schedule emails to go. at this, you know, So I schedule stuff to hold fast to that Sabbath 
and to hold fast to that boundary unless it's something important. And if it's something important, I send it on and I know that I will get a response because I recognize that I'm one of those people who's going to get through no matter what. But I also hold that boundary sacred um, between us and between that time that I know is his time. And I know that he does the same for me, that we hold that space for each other um, and hold it sacred. So that brings up the idea that healthy relationships are built with boundaries. Mm. It's not just cutting people who you don't like out or cutting people who you need to leave. It's keeping relationships intact. mean, you have boundaries. You have these things where you say, this is how I care for you. You need this. I will do this for you. And those boundaries mean that those boundaries are like developed as you develop a healthy relationship. That's almost how you can know if a relationship is Mm. worth not cutting. If you set that boundary and they respect it, then your relationship grows. Mm -hmm. Um, Your connection to them grows. Your ability to feel safe and to trust someone grows. So I think one of the things that maybe I need to spend some time looking at are the healthy relationships I do have and the boundaries I've set and how those people have respected that. Like with my children, we have boundaries that we set and we respect those boundaries. Now my 16-year-old son sometimes, you know, doesn't like, (laughs) forgets it because he's 16. But as my children are growing older and older, there's more boundaries that I'm even setting. Like I know for my daughter who has grown and married, I'm not going to jump into her life and start trying to control it. She has some boundaries, some time when it's for her and her husband and some time when it's for me. So we set these healthy boundaries and that's how we have a healthy relationship Same with my friends. So I think that we sometimes set boundaries we don't even realize we're setting because the people we love respect us. Mm -hmm. Like when I say I need Monday mornings to myself, my whole family, everyone kind of disappears. They don't come and need stuff from me on Monday mornings. They give me that few hours just to kind of meditate in my place and be in my place. And they've always kind of done that when I've needed space. Even if I'm like, I'm going on a trip, I just need to get away. I need some space and time. One of the brilliant things I think my daughter did is after her wedding. And it it just made me feel good as a mom. I don't know if she learned it from me, though. Um, (laughs) When they went on their honeymoon, they only told her brother and his brother where they were going. And they held it secret until they got back. So even as a mom, for that week after we had had this massive wedding and they had given us so much time and we had been together for a week, I had no idea where my daughter was. And I was okay with that because I knew two people knew her location for safety, but it gave them time. They didn't post on social media. They didn't. They did send everyone a postcard at one point. They just got a bunch of postcards and sent it, but they didn't do anything until they got back because they needed that time just between the two of them. And I thought that was brilliant and have started taking my vacations that way. Not a vacation for social media, not a vacation where everyone can reach and contact me, but a space for me just to be alone. And I have time when I get back to break that boundary down and open back up again. So one of the things that, so, so I'm kind of all about like how to, like how to, and, um, so as I'm thinking about this and I think about like what my needs are and, in my relationship like I am 
I'm a first thing in the morning. I don't want to have conversation. I just want to drink my coffee and look at my phone and barely look at my phone because I'm never quite sure what I'm looking at. Although Wordle has kind of wormed its way into that, I'm just going to say. And my personal favorite, Worlder. It would, there's probably no R on the end. But anyway, World. I can't say it. It's World. It's a map. And so you pick out what country it is and you get five guesses. Whatever. It's it's fun game. But it has warmed its way into my mornings. But I don't want to have conversation. And what I have learned um, over the 25 years of my relationship is that I can say over and over and over again, I need this space. And it can be being respected. But when I start breaking that boundary consistently, suddenly... It seems like that boundary doesn't matter anymore and it's safe to break it all the time. And that happens until the moment that I'm like, "Ah!" and the whole world goes crazy because I thought we had this boundary and we did, but I kept breaking it. And when I keep breaking it, it makes it seem like the boundary is no longer important. And so I think that it, when we set boundaries with people, when we set boundaries that are important to us, we can't break them. So we can't be the one who's always breaking that boundary and making an exception over and over and over again, and then expect or get angry when other people break that boundary. And so, again, I'll use me as an example. I'm really bad on my Sabbath to still have my phone with me because I have an addiction, y'all. And as a person who's addicted to their phone, it's always with me. It's always making noise. It's always, you know, like, here's my email. Here's my text. Here's my, here's my, here's my. But again, I have started scheduling responses. So while I may not be able to stop myself completely from reading it or responding to it, I do schedule it for the next day so that I'm not breaking that confidence that I have with myself this covenant that I have with myself that this is not a time when I'm going to respond so that it seems like it's okay for everyone else to break it and I think that finding methods and things that work for you that help you to hold that boundary and keep that boundary also helps others to respect it and keep it with you I want to say that when we went camping together, Gail set that boundary the first moment we were all sitting together. She said, okay, in the morning, before I have my coffee, we're not going to be talking. And we kept that boundary. So she is very good at telling us our boundaries. <laughs> that one. That one. She was very good with it. And it made it a much easier camping trip for all of us. Um, I, I want to talk about that phone and the social media too. I think mm-hmm. finally there is a boundary we need to set with social media. And actually several. One is allowing comments and people to come and attack us. I early on um, decided that my space in social media is where my children see me, where my friends, where people who trust see me. So comments that are made that are attacking or I don't need to have a discourse in my comment section um, that brings up anger and, and triggers people. Now I'll let people disagree with me all the time, but if it triggers certain groups that I feel responsibility for, or if it does things that I wouldn't want my children or my children's friends to see, I block, I delete, I don't allow that in my social media space. 
but also what I share. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. When I owned a coffee shop, I did the same thing. What I share on social media, I set boundaries around. I don't I don't feel like I need to invite the world into sacred spaces where my friends and my children and my family and I reside. So I am not going to share details about my intimate relationships with my friends. I'm not going to share pictures of friends without saying, hey, are you okay with this? I, I, and my friends respect that. They understand, I think in part because I'm a pastor, but I wish it was for everybody that when they're sharing pictures on social media, when they're sharing things that we've done together, there are private things that I need just to be with us because we're in that inner sacred space. And then there are things I'm like, yeah, go ahead and share it. And I think we need to do that more with each other. We need to set boundaries on what is out for the world to see and what is just for our friends to see. And we need to ask others before we share their personal intimate details on social media. I know we're good. We were, we, when we travel and stuff, we're good about that. And Gail and I are, I'm saying we, like you can see who I'm saying. <laughs> I know like my children, I, I, they set boundaries with me a long time ago about what they want on social media and what they don't. And I respect that. I make sure that my son is not in um, certain social media apps that I'm on. He's just not in it. Um, I don't use his name and I don't share his likeness a lot because he, I want to respect him. Um, I don't like, I don't put friends up when they are in not feeling and looking their best. I'm really good about if we take pictures, hey, is everyone okay with this? Because I respect their boundaries and respect how they want to present themselves to the world. So I think that phone, first of all, and finally setting boundaries with time (laughs) and not spending so much time on social media, which is the one I have the hardest Mm -hmm. with. Yeah, I struggle with that too. And, and, and I'm just going to say that, you know, even with our best intentions, sometimes we get it wrong. And so we're back to that whole analogy of, you know, the foul tips. Like, you can get it wrong, um, but then make it right. Um, and if, um, if somebody's uncomfortable, then make, make it right. You know, um, take it down. Um, let it go. Um, I've been asked, you know, hey, I, I understand how you feel about that. Will you please take that post down? Um, And yes, I will. Because if this is in some way harmful for someone else, um, then yes, that is not ever my intent in social media, is to post a picture that someone doesn't like or to say something that's going to whatever. And and I have invited discourse um, on my social media in the comments um, at, at varying things probably far more during the pandemic than ever I've invited that kind of discourse. Um, but I have one very simple rule, which is be respectful. Like you can't, you can come here and you can say your disagreement. You can like, and we can vehemently disagree with one another about whether or not masks work or whether or not vaccines work or, or whether or not we should have been shut down or not. I mean, all of that was, was, very much discussed on my social media, and I welcomed it and encouraged it. Um, and I had people of all all varieties coming to be a part of that discussion, and for the most part, people were respectful um, in that discourse of what what that looked like. But again, 
my big rule on that is be nice, be respectful, and you can basically say whatever you'd like. Um, and for the most part, people have held to that. Um, although I've noticed that, you know, a lot of them have now drifted away, which is okay too. Um, I've, I've made my thoughts and feelings perfectly clear. And, um, if you disagree and you don't want to hear my rantings about it, um, or school or whatever, then, you, you know, you're free to, to move on. And, and I'll respect that. Um, it doesn't mean that I will love you any less or care for you any less just because we're going to disagree on this. And I think that that's a part of a boundary too, is understanding that just because I love and cares for someone doesn't mean that I have to read stuff on their social media or hear it from them in real life and accept that that is okay just because I love them or just because I have a relationship with them doesn't mean that I have to be inundated constantly with things that are harmful, um, that are hurtful, and that are um, a problem. So that's a part of a boundary. And while I'm not all that fond of blocking people, I will if I have to, I do hide a lot of people on my social media. Like, I don't want to see your posts because I know what you're posting. And I know the crap that you're putting out there. And I can't, I can't read that. It can't be a part of what I am ingesting. And um, so understanding that what I am taking in and what I need to do on a boundary for that is important. And I think it's an an important thing for all of us um, to learn how to do that. To keep... What we, um, what we are exposed to from our friends um, to, at a level that is uh, good for us. Very, very much agree. I think also I, with social media and with talking face-to-face, mm-hmm. I have this thing in my head where we can have Differing opinions about flavors of ice cream, about your favorite color, about what sports team you like. Orange is the best. Yes. The Cubs are the best. <laughs> we can have, we can just, and I honestly, I, I like orange too, so we're going to agree on that. But, um, I, but when it comes to a person's human rights, mm-hmm. when it comes to attacking a person for their intelligence, their name, their presentation, who they are, that is not a disagreement. That's where my boundary is set. So if you come on social media and you say, you know, and we're talking about like mask and you say, well, I'm not sure about that. That's one thing. But saying this person is stupid and sinning because they're wearing a mask, that, that, that's where I draw the line. That's a name calling. And then I do draw the line when it comes to how like, people's color, sex, identity, all of that, that there is a strong boundary. We're not going to discuss that on in any way. We're going to let that person hold their rights solid. So I do draw boundaries in discussions when it has to do with attacking a person for who they are, their identity, or a group of people for their identity. It doesn't belong in my space. That's my boundary. And that allows me to minister to everyone if I say this is not a discussion we need to have, if you want to know why, I'll explain it and you can listen or you can just walk away. And I wonder, as you were talking, 
how this pandemic slash social movement towards justice and equality and and the stuff that's happening even within our own church right now, how much of that has caused me to have boundaries I don't even realize. How many people have unfriended me because of stuff I've posted and maybe set those boundaries. I, I, I hadn't really thought about how over these pandemic years, how many boundaries have been set, how many people have walked away because they can't hear what I say, which may be quite healthy for me. Well, and and I, I will say that I don't really notice that either. I used to have an app on my phone that um, that alerted me when someone unfriended me. And um, I decided that that just wasn't something Boundary. that I needed to know. Good and um, so I deleted the app because I'm like, I don't need to know when people unfriend me. Um, like, if they need to go, let them go. Um, I do occasionally um, see a comment because, you know, memories we all look back at our memories right and I look back at a memory and I'll be like oh I haven't seen anything from that person in a while what happened to them and we're no longer friends and a lot of them I know um hold an uh, a right leaning mm-hmm. whatever and whether that is from a theological standpoint or a political standpoint um and they have left me because of who I am or how I am presenting uh, in my beliefs and I'm pretty open on my social media about who I am and what I believe and so um, you know if, if that if that makes you healthier or feels you feels healthier to you to do that then um, go with God um, but um, I, I uh, yeah I think that that works both ways is that you have to be willing to let people go and occasionally i I do feel that pang of, of miss, you know, Oh, I I enjoyed their post. I enjoyed that relationship that we had at some point in time. But I think that had is the important word that we had this and, and it's something I remember fondly. Um, but it is not something that is ongoing. And maybe in a way you can remember it fondly because it has not Yes. turned into like a, a storm, a contentious storm. Yeah. So I think that is one of the healthy things that, that happens. I am looking forward to spending the next few weeks in a new space. Mm-hmm. I recently changed phone numbers, did a lot of boundary work as I left an old space and I'm moving into a new, and I am interested to see how that I know there's going to be some eruptions there's going to be some anger I know there's going to be some yes this is great you need to do this but I'm interested to see how the anxiety and the frustration that I have felt for the last year or two how that's affected by these very strict boundaries I've set for the next couple of weeks and I did that on purpose because I have a really a big thing I need to focus on. But I also did that for my friends and family because I found that a lot of the conversation I was having with the people that I care the most about was being angry and frustrated about my the people who are bothering me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to invite my friends over for dinner, cook a nice dinner, sit around, talk, and then spend the whole time venting and ranting. 
And I'm hoping that as I've set these boundaries and I move forward, that'll clear that out of my headspace so that I can be open to have like good conversations with my friends and my family so that I don't feel like I'm constantly venting about my frustrations, but I can talk about my hope for the future more because when I don't set boundaries, it doesn't just hurt me. It hurts those who love me and care the most about me. We've come to the end of our time. And uh, this has been a good discussion about um, how we can, I mean, what are boundaries, why they're important, and um, and how we can keep them um, to keep us and, um, and others in good relationship. Um, I think that that is really the, the basis for all good boundaries is creating good relationship. And so uh, I'm going to invite you um, to think about your boundaries and to think about the boundaries that you're creating between you and God. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't get Whoa. into that discussion. And maybe that's a follow-up poly- podcast that we'll do at a later time. But but the boundaries that you're putting between you and God and how those are affecting your relationship with God. Whoa. Yeah, I'm ready for that discussion. Maybe I need to think about it. <laughs> um, I'm going to invite you this week to, instead of focusing on setting big boundaries because that's scary, I want you to find one or two healthy boundaries that you have set and relish in those boundaries and relish in how they have created a better relationship. So just focus on one or two that you actually have set and have been kept. See y'all next time.